Coming to you from the world-renowned Magnum Building on beautiful Payne Avenue in the heart of Cleveland, Ohio, it's the entrepreneur himself, Dan Hansen, bringing you the Great Lakes Geek Show. Today we're speaking with Henry Gomez, the Plain Dealer Technology Reporter. I have to tell you, Henry, I think I have PCs that are older than you. Aren't there child labor laws? Are, are you old enough to be working? <laughs> I am old enough to be working. I actually started in newspapers uh, when I was 19 years old in Warren, Ohio. So uh, you, you probably do have some PCs older than me if you were into the Commodore 64 uh, heyday of the 1980s, which I, I had a Commodore 64 myself, actually. Okay, was that your first computer, C64? Yeah, it, it sure was. Uh, <laughs> you know, my parents bought it for my sister and I basically to play games and, you know, type up reports on, but it was the absolute worst computer I ever had, too. So you grew up in Warren. Uh, what school did you go to and what did you study? I actually grew up in uh, Youngstown, oh, a suburb of Youngstown, Boardman. Graduated from Boardman High School, went to Youngstown State University, uh, have a degree in bachelor's degree background poli-sci and journalism so at Warren just north of Youngstown that's where I was able to get job make some extra money during uh, during college so do you consider yourself to be a techie uh, I mean it's kind of a jump from poli-sci and, and journalism and all that to technology yeah I like to tell people that I'm not a techie I just play one in the newspaper Fortunately, I'm writing for a lot of people who aren't techies either in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, being the daily newspaper, there's there's room for room for me to learn as I go along. My predecessor, Chris Zepper, wasn't a techie when he started the beat, and now big bigger tech geek than you maybe, Dan. <laughs> yeah, I know Chris has come a long way. He's kind of scary, in fact. So, what exact level of expertise do you write for? I know there's there's some people out there, the Chris Seppers and other techies. And then there's people who couldn't spell IT if you spotted them in the eye. So who do, who do you write for? It's a great question, and I think it's it's kind of a balancing act. You can't be everything to everyone, but I consider a good benchmark to be what my parents, who are pretty young and pretty hip still, but what my parents understand it. And I still get a lot of calls from my mother in Youngstown who will be like, oh, that was a great story you had on the front page of The Plain Dealer, but didn't understand one word of it. Uh, you know, you try to find the, the pop culture, the lifestyle and trends of, of technology and how it's going to affect consumers. And you really want to help consumers, an everyday person, make better choices. So I try to keep those people, people like my parents in mind when I'm tackling something like, you know, digital cable or VOIP, you know, or Wi-Fi, because these are the people who most likely don't know a whole lot about it yet and would have the most to gain from anything I could write. Now, obviously, you have a print column, and you're also you have your blog, your online column. Do you change the level of how you're writing for the online customer? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you think that bloggers are the early adopters of technology, and a lot of blog blogs and uh, other uh, IT folks are, are reading the blog. It it's a, tends to have a little bit more of an inside baseball tone, um, where you. <laughs> more free to use acronyms and you know slang and lingo and stuff like that because that's typically who you're writing for i don't get a whole lot of you know older moms dads and grandpas that are checking out TechLink online because they're reading our print product so there there's some room to be a little bit more inside baseball tech geek as much as i can be anyhow 
So what's the deal with the print publication like the Plain Dealer, Ohio's largest newspaper, doing so much online? Uh, do you think we're going to see the end of print in the next X years? I, I don't think so. And of course, I, <laughs> I kind of, you know, hope that's not the case since it's the, the print publication that's really paying the bills. But, you know, the way I see it, I, I can't sit at my computer all day long and be reading newspapers. As great as it is to have that information at your fingertips, there's something that can't replace a print product. But to answer your question, we're getting more into online because we realize that there are people who are sitting at a desk all day at an office. Or there are people that, you know, don't have time when they come home at night to read the, the you know the morning newspaper that's been out on the street all, all all day long you know we're trying to be more current because information is happening every minute and you know we have more competitors in the online space as well so we want to give them a reason to stay with us and not go somewhere else do you update your blog at regular intervals or when cool stuff happens or a news breaks or what's the schedule it's pretty much something i do every morning when i come in i try to get in about eight o'clock at the latest, scan other blogs, scan some of the bigger tech sites, look, and just look to see what some of the national tech news has been, uh, decide what's going to go on the blog, get that out. We try to get that online between you know 10 a.m. and noon every day. If you know, there was to be some type of earth-shattering tech event uh, that day, you know we may update it throughout the day. But it, it's pretty much a morning thing. You know, try not to have it take up too much of my time because I, I do. I am still you know on the hook for daily print stories and the weekly print column so so what do you consider to be technology I mean that's a pretty broad field I know you've written about nano and biotech outside of information technology how do you define your beat your technology beat well it's it's that's a great question because tech is so broad and there isn't one company you know you're, when I'm writing for the business section there isn't one company in Cleveland the day that can say it's surviving without taking some type of high-tech approach to you know an old guard process and you know what I try to keep I try to keep mostly a handle on information tech personal tech and um, nanotechnology which nanotech is something that can straddle the biotech and the manufacturing beats but I think that you know where I really want to start taking the beat is more a consumer oriented uh, personal technology you know how to make consumers better consumers type thing with you know also looks at regular looks at what's going on here that's going to embolden the consumer and personal tech market you know cleveland was built around manufacturing and, and since then huge industries have sprung up around medical and legal and financial and tech has kind of been a you know an afterthought are we fooling ourselves in the region that we can become a, a major tech player i think every every city wants to be a you know the next silicon valley uh, should we concentrate more on our core capabilities like medical and legal or do you think there's a, a, a real market for tech here well it's it's funny cuz i'm actually i have a story coming out Sunday in the Sunday paper on uh, the Youngstown Business Incubator, which is a collection of information tech companies, and it's pretty much the, the core focus. They're, Youngstown is small enough to where it doesn't have to build an economy around biotech and medical devices, and it doesn't have to really build around, even though manufacturing is still the bread and butter there, it can it has luxury of picking something and focusing on it. Cleveland, in, in its own way, is a victim of its size, and people here are down on it and think that, you know, Nothing's happening in Cleveland, but there are still big enough industries here to where you know, IT might not become the replacement for uh, you know manufacturing. Biotech's going to have a huge opportunity because of the clinic, UH, you know, Case Western Reserve, 
and I don't when I covered advertising at Crane's Cleveland Business, all the ad shops said they wanted to be the next Minneapolis or the next, you know, Madison Avenue. So anybody in that industry wants their, you know, local, you know, industry to become the standard bearer for the rest of the country. But, you know, Silicon Valley, I don't think anybody can reasonably expect that to happen here. But that doesn't mean there's not a lot of, there's still a lot of great stuff happening here and great stuff to cover, great people to write about. So... Well, you recently attended your, uh, I think it was your first consumer electronics show, CES in Las Vegas. What uh, what impressions did you give this show as, as a first-timer? Yeah, I probably didn't get to see half the show, and I was there from Tuesday through uh, through Sunday. I, and I probably didn't get to see half the show, but it was, it was amazing because although a lot of it is, you know, a publicity stunt, you'll, you'll never get that many, you know, consumer electronics marketers and companies in you know one location in one day you could speak to you know high-ranking officials from Vonage the the VoIP company uh, from AT&T you know from camera makers uh, Philips to all these you know major brands that people in Cleveland don't get a whole lot of exposure to from the daily newspaper it really sort of builds up your source list and gives you ideas to take back that can last you the whole year. I mean, I haven't even started, with the exception of maybe one or two stories, to, to, to throw out things that I have I've learned at CES this year. And it'll, like I say, it'll last me till next CES in January. Yeah, that's just, just a huge show. I remember Comdex, its predecessor was just amazing. I remember Chris Sepper, your predecessor, came out to his first CES show. He had kind of the same reaction. Did Chris give you, give you any advice before you went out there? And did he give you any advice about your beat before you took it over? Yeah, Chris has been very helpful. I think one of the luxuries has been that he didn't leave the newspaper. He, you know, he's still there. He's in the metro section now, but he's still, you know, I still to this day, you know, pick his brain on stories and, you know, collaborate with him on, you know, approaches. And before CES, you know, I met with him several times just to, you know, not only to get his, you know, source list and his, you know, phone numbers and his contacts, but just to find out, you know, you know, what will my bosses be expecting of me while I'm out there? What did they expect of you when you were there? How did you manage, you know, a day? And keep in mind, you're three hours behind Cleveland time, and you're work so you're working with editors who are three hours ahead of you, and that's that's a challenge as well. So, you know, Chris Chris is very helpful. Whenever there's something that I feel is a little above my head, I, I you know I can always go to him, and he can sort of steer me in the right direction. He'll appreciate that. Has there anything since you took over the tech beat? Has there been anything that's really surprised you or that you didn't expect? Uh, you know, I guess the, the one thing maybe I wasn't the best prepared for was, and this might have been coming from smaller papers all of my life to coming to a big city daily paper and writing for the business section, is so many uh, you know publicists out there trying to pitch you ideas. And you know, I'm a pretty nice and friendly guy. And when I was at Cranes, you know, I was somewhat used to it had a, actually covered the marketing and PR industry so I knew how, you know I had good relationships with a lot of people but nothing prepared me for you know getting calls from San Francisco and London and New York and you know having to tell these people that you're really not interested in writing a story just about their their product you know you, we do some gadget reviews but we're trying to do if we do you know national technology and personal tech trends we, we want to make it a trend story a lifestyle story we don't want to just write about the new you know Nikon camera <laughs> I assume that you get pestered a lot because a link in your blog or a mention in your column goes a long way. What's the best way for a, a local company to get your attention and get some coverage? Well, I think that the key is 
I like meeting people, and I don't think there's any harm in meeting somebody or going out, looking at your office. Uh, the, the key is accessibility. I don't want to write about somebody that just wants to talk to me over the phone and give me a 30-second pitch about a new product or a few new hires or some you know borderline news. And I want to be able to, to see what you do up close and personal. I want to talk to your CEO. I want to you know, find out everything I can about him or her. And, and you know when you I, I'm a very approachable person I'm always looking to meet people but always understand that you know might not lead to a story right away I meet with companies every week and sometimes they're wondering well how come you didn't write about us yet you know I'll get follow-up calls a week later well, when are you writing that story about us and you know, I'm not meeting you to write a story I'm meeting you to learn and uh, that's the best way to build relationships is not to expect anything right away that's that's a great philosophy if you could interview someone locally that you haven't had a chance to yet, is there anyone on your wish list that you'd really like to sit down with an interview? Well, I would I would say that if you know, and I've I've interviewed quite a lot. Of, I've been here a year and I've I've met a lot of the, the big people that you need to meet. Um, people I'd like to spend some more time with are probably the Highland family. I mean, Packy Highland, the uh, the, the founder of Highland Software, uh, is somebody who you know is now kind of handed the reins over to others in the family, but just to me a fascinating person and you know somebody who got a lot of ink you know several years ago but I've never had the opportunity to sit down and talk at length with with him and I, I think that's probably something you'll see more of uh, and you know really be fascinated to talk with you know CEOs and you know IT people at you know non-IT companies because as you said earlier, you know, technology is everywhere. I mean, one of the biggest IT companies in our area is probably Progressive, but it's not a company that's on my beat because I don't cover the insurance industry, uh, which is technically where that falls. So, you know, you know, I think Glenn Renwick would be another person who'd be fascinating to sit down with. Yeah, I'll tell you, Packy Jr.'s got a great story. His whole rhinoceros philosophy, which I have to ask him about. But I remember about Oh, 15 years ago, Packy Sr. was at a meeting with us at John Carroll, and he stood up and he said, you know, we're looking, we're, my kids got some idea and they're working on something. I can't explain. I don't know what it is. They think it's going to be hot, and if anyone's interested in talking to us about it, you know, come see me. And that was one of those big missed opportunities, but it's, that's a great story. <laughs> what about uh, internationally? If you had 30 minutes to interview someone, who would that be? Well, you know, there's the usual, there's the usual suspects. There's, you know... Sergey and Larry from Google who wouldn't which which tech reporter wouldn't want 30 minutes with those guys and I'm, I'm sure more and more they're gonna be become more reclusive but those those two are fascinating um, you know Bill Gates obviously another person who is you know, will always remain you know interesting and fascinating to the to the tech industry I think you're going to be seeing a lot more though in the nanotech industry you know separate of IT which is really my, my bread and butter I would not be surprised to be seeing some more uh, activity in that market as the years go on. I think that's really telling that you said Sergey and Larry first before Bill Gates. You know, a couple of years ago, it definitely would have been <laughs> Gates first, or maybe Bomber or Allison or someone. But you know, Google has uh, has really become the number the, t the top dog. All right, personally, do you have an MP3 player? I I do. I actually finally broke down, and right after Christmas. Uh, with some uh, Apple gift cards that I'd got, bought it, bought an iPod, and uh, I'd actually been looking around for a while trying to decide 
there is this another fascinating you know personal tech story there's this misconception by a lot of people the people who i'm trying to write for that the ipod is the only mp3 player on the market and that's it's not the case at all i mean it's definitely has probably the best marketing strategy behind it but you know it's not the only it's not the only player out there but uh yeah, I did, it did break down. I got the video iPod, uh, the 30 gig, and <laughs> actually the first one they sent me had a bad uh, something in it because it kept just shutting off. The second one had a bad battery. I'm on my third. The third one was a charm. Uh, so far, so good. You know, knock on wood. I'll tell you when they when the the tech reporter at Ohio's largest newspaper gets a couple of bad units in a row. That's not uh, probably not what Apple wants to happen. <laughs> But you're exactly right. You know, I use the Creative uh, Nomad. Creative actually owns a patent on the MP3, portable MP3 devices, and there are a lot of options out there, but like you say, people think iPod is it. It's, uh, do you, are you a, a, a geek in other ways with a PDA and a smartphone and all that? I think I've, I think I've drawn the line with the PDA. I think, I think my fiance would probably kill me if I had one more distraction to carry around with me. I mean, I've got the cell phone. It, it, it's got a camera, and that's about as high-tech as it is, you know. I, I almost wonder, you know, just observing the industry, if the PDA has come and gone in a way. I mean, you, at C, one of the things I saw at CES this year, one of the things I wrote about from Vegas was the the fast drive to put co- more content on cell phones google and yahoo are both fighting to get you know their search engines and their software onto you know a, a regular cell phone because i think they realize that pda may have peaked more of a personal preference for me just to not have one i've been toying with it but i i, I know some people would see that as a distraction so as far as being a geek in other ways i mean i'm more of a just a traditional movie buff than anything else yeah, I think you hit it well there. Once once you see your grandmother whip out a PDA to check a doctor's appointment, it's it's you want to move on to a new technology. Well, I, I guess you're not one of those uh, young people who's gonna have, who are gonna have their thumbs evolve, you know, from using their Blackberries and the video games over the years. But is there something that uh, besides your your young age that uh, people don't know about you that maybe you'd like them to? Well. I, you know, if they didn't know I'm young, they they know that now, and you know they they know I'm from Youngstown. I, I yeah, pretty big professional sports fan, pretty big Cleveland sports fan. Uh, although I must admit I was more into the Browns when Bernie Kosar played the old the old Browns, but the the new Browns have been doing some good stuff the last few weeks, so maybe this will be the the year. But <laughs> how long have we been saying that? Uh, you know, I'm just. Like I was telling you, really, really into to movies and, and music. Actually, that's why I was finally glad to to get an iPod, always attached to my ear when I'm at the office, multitasking, and you know, sports, movies, music. You know, kind of a pop culture renaissance man, I guess. Once I leave the office. So, are you involved in separate with the fantasy football leagues and all? I know he, my my cousin Jim Sweeney works at Plain Dealer too, and and Sepper did a, a victory dance, I think, when he beat him in fantasy football last year. They don't want me in their fantasy football game. No, really, you know, it's fantasy football. I would be terrible in. I I, I make a mess out of statistics. I played fantasy baseball last year, and I just looked for all the wrong things on my roster, and I, you know, also was a little bit too loyal to some of our Cleveland Indians who. While they were a steady team, not fantasy baseball darlings, you know, when you consider the things you get points for in, in fantasy sports. So, you know, that is that is definitely Sepper's thing. He's also into, you know, poker and stuff like that, but he has yet to invite me to a game. So, 
maybe he just doesn't want to take on my money. Well, today in the show, we turned the microphone around and interviewed Henry Gomez, the Plain Dealer Technology Reporter. Be sure to read Henry and the Plain Dealer, but also follow the links on this site to check out his blog if you haven't yet. Thanks, Henry. All right, thanks a lot, Dan. You've been listening to the Great Lakes Geek Show. Come back soon at www.greatlakesgeek.com.